so glad to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in just a few minutes, you want a comparison shop for auto insurance? Good luck. It's today's Clark Rage. And later, I want to talk about the actual value on average of the level of education you have. What does the level of education from high school through to graduate degree, what does it do to your paycheck? I'm going to share some shocking comparisons for you, some surprising numbers. I want to talk right now about something that has become the thing, and that is subscriptions for services and products rather than paying for them as you buy them. It is a massive change in the economy. It is something that is a preferred method to do things for people that are in their 20s and 30s who are the key influencers today in how society works and commerce works. The levers of power are still heavily in the hands of older generations, but the power is migrating in the consumer sense to people that are younger. And one of the key things they want is not to have to own stuff. Now, we got an early look at this, at how Netflix destroyed the idea of owning video. I mean, it seems so long ago that people used to own movies. I mean, that's what people did. Or they bought entire seasons of TV shows. That's, I mean, if somebody loved a show... Let's say the most one of the most popular things on Netflix is Friends. And there are people who would go out and they'd buy these cases that had entire seasons of Friends or multiple seasons of Friends. And they'd be able to pop them in a DVD player. Now, Netflix paid, you probably have heard this a couple of months ago, they paid a reported $100 million dollars to get the rights to continue to be able to show friends for one more year because apparently for a lot of people, they're, one of their motivators to subscribe to Netflix is so they can watch Friends episodes. Again, paying a monthly fee that depending on bare bones can be like 8 bucks on up for Netflix And it taught industry that this is what so many people want now. And we are on the edge of an all-out revolution in the automotive market where people will subscribe to car services instead of own a car or lease a car as to how the ultimate economics of that will work out for you, it's going to take a while to figure out the economic models. But the models that I've told you about, I first started telling you about uh, about a year and a half ago, 
with luxury brands that you pay a monthly fee, a big one, and then you can drive pretty much any vehicle within their fleet and change them out regularly. Now, that's not for everyday people, but being able to pay a monthly subscription and have it include auto insurance and things like that, and you're free to ditch the subscription at any time, that is going to be a prominent way that people have transportation. And I'm somebody who likes to own things. Like, I have my own scooter, like the Lime or Bird. Probably not the smartest thing to have my own. Probably makes more sense to pay a dollar a ride and 15 cents a minute, which is the common price point. But I like riding my own. I know how it performs and all that. And (laughs) there are so many things that, in my mind, it's like, you own it. But one thing that's becoming clearer is not just because of the unaffordability of owning your own home, there are a lot of people who prefer the relative freedom of being a renter instead of owning a property you have to take care of. So this is a major transition in our economy. As we transition and people try to figure out the right price points and all the rest, know that you as a consumer need to think through before you just click yes. It's so easy to sign up for every kind of subscription possible. Just think through, is it something you're really going to use and is the price really right for you and your budget? Stephen is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Stephen. Hey, Clark. How you doing? Wonderful, Stephen. How can I be of service to you? I've been listening to you for uh, quite a while now, and um, never really thought about retirement until uh, about a year ago when I took your advice on saving and everything. So I declared on my debt, and I have about 138000 left on my mortgage. You are pretty young to have no debt at all other than mortgage debt. And what's the value of the property? Right now, the value is pretty high. It's probably about two fifty-five to sixty-five. So you already in your early thirties, you have fifty percent equity in your home and no other debts. No other debt at all. You so are fantastic. What I've been, uh, awesome. Struggling about um, trying to figure out: should I try to tackle my mortgage and pay it off? quickly or should I put away more for my 401k retirement plan and just try to save as much as I can and pay my mortgage, um, you know, as I've been doing it for the past eight years where I just pay the, you know, the the normal, the minimum amount. So what is your mortgage mortgage interest rate, Stephen? 4.5. 4.5. So 4.5 puts you in a territory where the question would be, can you out-earn 4.5 over time in your, um, in your 401k, and the odds are really good that you could earn more in the 401k over time than what you're going to pay on your mortgage at 4.5%. So you've got 
a very favorable mortgage interest rate, and it is a great feeling to be mortgage debt-free, but if you, with 30 years left till traditional retirement age for you, socking as much money as you can in your 401k is really a great choice. Now, I got a question for you before you ask me your next question, Stephen. Okay. Does your employer offer you a choice between a traditional 401k and a Roth 401k, or do they only offer, yeah. they do bo- offer both? They offer both. And right now what I'm doing is I'm doing only the traditional, and I'm contributing about 16% of it. Oh, man, I love you. You are an incredible saver. So what I'd like you to do <laughs> is I'd like you to put a little more pinch on your wallet and stop doing the traditional and instead do the Roth. Okay. For so you. what they're doing right now is uh, with the traditional, they, uh, they're matching 75% for the first 4% and then 25% of the next 4%. Um, so to, they match a total of eight percent. Um, I wanted to know if I should just just uh, go down to the minimum and just contribute the full, uh, maybe that full eight percent, and then just go with the cost and contribute as much as I can. Because by June of next year, I'll be grossing almost seventy thousand dollars a year, so I'll be able to do about twenty percent total contribution. All right, so um, let's stop for a second. They will still do a match if you do the Roth 401k. That doesn't change. The match they do goes into the traditional side, but they'll still do that match for you. That will not change anything about them matching. So it's right. really great for you to build up two piles, a pre-tax pile and a post-tax pile of money. Because when you hit retirement, having both piles is really valuable for money management later. Mm-hmm. Now, if you if you do, let's say you even stay where you are at 16%, which is outstanding that you're doing that. If you do the 16 and you do it in the Roth, that means you're doing after tax. So essentially, you will have raised your contribution effectively to the 20% you were thinking of doing at some future date anyway. But I would make that change, and I would do the Roth 401k and do that as a higher priority than paying down on the mortgage. If you're able to do 16%, though, and you realize you still have surplus money and you want to accelerate paying on the mortgage, go for it. I'm really impressed with you. Uh, You've set a financial plate for yourself that is a great meal, and you're saving an enormous amount, you have minimal debt, and you have great freedom in front of you because of those choices you've made. And I'm going to mess up your name. Is it Ryan? Uh, no, it's, it's Ryan. Ryan. Oh, oh, it's just a misspell on the computer. I'm sorry, oh, Ryan. Was, uh, i yeah, got to no. tell you, I'm looking at R-A-Y-N for your oh, name. Oh, no. No, no, it's Ryan. How okay. you doing, Clark? How are you? Hey, I'm good, good. It's a pleasure to talk with you. I've been with you about 15 years, so you're, you're like my hero. Well, you were kind. Thank you. Oh, I got two quick, easy questions for you. Ready. I, I, all right. The first question, um, so because I am Clark Smart, uh, 
and kind of cheap. Um, I need some new checks for my personal checking account. And my credit union wants to charge me $21 for 100 checks. And that I know doesn't sound very much like a co-op owned by its members. 21 right? bucks. I, I didn't think that was a good deal. So I know in the past you've talked about where to find checks. And if you could be so kind to let me know uh, what you suggest, that'd be great. Okay, so first thing, Sunday newspapers. You still have a Sunday newspaper anywhere near you? Uh, I do. All right, so in the Sunday newspaper, they will have, you'll see uh, coupons for getting checks cheap first time. Okay. And we don't write enough checks anymore. So you get, let's say, 250 checks from one of those Sunday glossy coupons. It should last you many, many years. And okay. checks now are so inexpensive ordering from one of those services. Probably somewhere in the range of maybe five bucks, let's say. Oh, wow. Okay. And also, if you're a Sam's Club member or a Costco wholesale member, they also sell checks to members. And, okay. And they're uh, 100% of the time, they're cheaper than what you're going to pay for checks, ordering them when a credit, I can't believe a credit union is charging that much, but a credit union or a bank is treating checks as a profit center, selling you checks. They truly are. I thought that was a lot of money. <laughs> that is an insane amount of money. And Okay, so it should be really easy for you to find a deal. Are you a member of either of the warehouse clubs? Oh, for sure. Costco. Okay, so you can see at Costco's website what their cheapest checks are. And I think they're about half of what it is. And if you're a premium Costco member, you get an additional 20 or 25% discount on check orders. I really appreciate that very much. My other question, if you got time, I'll keep it quick. Okay. Do you have a book coming out and a book tour coming up anytime soon? No more books. Oh, Clark, come on. Nope, no. Nope. I wrote 10. I was yeah. fortunate to be on New York Times bestseller list three times and number one once. But the market has moved on, and that's why Clark.com, we have new stuff every day. And right. we now have two dozen writers on it because you want new content constantly. That's what the marketplace wants, and that's taken the place of me having to go on six-month book tours and never see my family, and they look at a picture of me, and that's how they remember what I look like. You're not going to believe this. A new report out that only one in four people who shop around for auto insurance, like I recommend you do, have been successful buying new auto insurance online. The industry is intensely hostile to you shopping around except for the small number of insurers who specifically push you towards shopping around like uh, Geico and Progressive. And it is a fear in the industry that people will become price-oriented and they're not going to measure up at most insurers. So I believe that the stubbornness and the fear of old-line auto insurers being afraid is going to lead to a much better model for you buying insurance. And it's going to be buying insurance on an app on your phone. And if the old line players don't want to play, new ones are going to continue to emerge 
that are going to make it possible for you to buy insurance as you need it or buy it by the mile. I know this is weird, but the marketplace will much better be supported and pricing will be more obvious and more competitive when auto insurance ultimately is sold by the mile. And we're not far from that point, and it will be a great day when it happens. It's my pleasure to have you with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. You got a question for me, and go to clark.com slash ask and post away, and we'd love to answer your questions. So... There's a real movement today to try to discourage people from getting a college degree. There's more and more talk about how people who get a college degree are having a hard time finding jobs that even need a college degree for. And it's a real backlash against the traditional four-year college experience. And I want to tell you there's more nuance to this than this react going on. First, I want to share with you new data from the U.S. Census, and it shows that the earning power you have per year for everybody who has college degree, high school degree, whatever, this is average. So don't compare yourself to this. This is showing the relative earnings of people based on education. So let's start with somebody who gets an advanced degree, a master's or some other form of graduate degree. They average 95 grand per year, according to the census. The average person with a college degree averages a whisker under 70,000. The average person who has some college, which, you know, a lot of people go to college don't finish. They go for a year or two, maybe, and then they uh, life happens and they're not going to college anymore. Listen to the difference. So if the average person who's got the four-year degree earns almost 70, the average person who just has some college earns 40. A massive credential gap. And it's in the life's not fair department. There's a lot of people who've had some college have learned really great stuff And their earning power should not be crushed that much. But that's what the marketplace says. How about if you have a high school diploma? A little more than $35,000 a year. So the big gap, there's some gap between high school and some college. But the big gap is between some college and getting the degree. And that is a giant difference. It is another leap from the college degree to graduate school, but the biggest one by far is some college versus a college degree. So where's all this lead me to? Not everybody is college material. It's not your thing. It may not be of interest to you, but virtually everybody will benefit from getting a skill, from getting a trade. And There are jobs that pay very well when you have that skill or trade. But there's a new factor. It's not really new-new, but it's one that people are not grabbing hold of. 
And that is historically in America different than a lot of people in Western Europe. We have really had a fixation that you gain your education from your late teens to your mid-20s and then you're done with education. But education today, because of the changes in the workplace, the changes in jobs, education and training need to be looked at as a long-term, lifelong pursuit. And dropping out of college in particular should not be the terminus of it. If it means you didn't find it relevant, it didn't work for you, so go to trade school or apprentice programs aren't as big in this country as they are other places, but that's something you can look at too. And money's not everything. I know a lot of people who in middle age got a particular skill when they were young specifically because it paid well. But they're miserable. Do what you love. Do what you love. It's what educators refer to as the intersection where you do what you love but you also look for where doing what you love can also generate a paycheck. It can do it a lot more than you realize. It's not as obvious as, oh, I'm studying to be an electrical engineer. Or I'm studying to be this, that, or the other. But there are many possibilities when you do pursue what you love. Denise is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Denise. Hello. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, thank you. How can I serve you? Well, you were just speaking to the choir about the education. Um, I spent 15 years getting my education, one class at a time, while I homeschooled my kids uh, off and on. Um, but How are they now, doing? Oh, they're doing great. Yeah, my youngest son is in, um, in his uh, last two years of high school now. Great. Okay. I've, I've got a little more to run with my youngest. <laughs> He's a yeah. seventh grader. Oh, good luck to you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So I, um, I managed to uh, graduate with my bachelor's degree and then with my master's, one class at a time. And uh, landed a good, stable job with the Air Force. And um, as I started earning a living wage, I went to my local credit union. They have a um, basically a, a retirement finance counselor there. And I asked them for advice on how I should start preparing for retirement because I'm starting so late in the game. And I was a little disappointed because... His advice was essentially, just save as much as you can. That's all I can tell you. And I thought, no, there's got to be um, something more that I could do because I don't really have the time on my side to do the compounding interest. And so I have a real estate license on the side, um, although I, I don't work in that field at all. I mostly got it because I'm really interested in real estate. And I've always had a, kind of in the back of my mind that I'd like to invest at some point, but I was wondering if you had any um, advice um, for somebody starting late into the game for those of us who are late bloomers. Well, let's talk this through. So are you um, a civilian employee of the Air Force or are you a contractor? I am a civilian um, employee of the Air Force, sir. 
All right. Well, thank you so much for your service. And I want to tell you that that makes you eligible for the TSP. Yes. And the TSP is the greatest retirement plan that we have as Earthlings. It's fantastic. Well, that's very good to hear. (laughs) And so you, uh, you know, you can pursue this other interest in real estate, but the thing I want you to do is is um, start it with the amount you can feel you can afford in your budget in the TSP, but I want you to keep stepping up the amount you contribute because the see. TSP has the lowest cost of any retirement plan any of us could possibly have. It's extremely well managed. And because you're a civilian employee, you get a match, Correct. Correct. Up to three um, percent, we get dollar for dollar, and then the next two percent is uh, fifty cents on the dollar. Yeah, but doing five percent, which would pick up all the match money, that's not going to be enough for you. How much are you putting in at this point as a percent? At this point, I'm doing five percent because I'm paying off um, all of my consumer debt. I figure I can't get a better return than not paying eighteen, nineteen percent on credit cards. Uh, True to to a point, but I would like you to, uh, I'm going to ask you to do a stretch, okay? Okay. I'd like you every six months to step up the amount you're contributing to TSP 1%. Oh, sure. Because we don't notice it in little increments like that, and you can stay on your path to pay down on the credit card debt. That makes sense. In addition on the credit card debt, uh, you said you're a credit union member. Yeah. Do they offer a balance transfer that would get you a lower interest rate on that debt? Actually, I already did that, and okay. I've almost paid off that credit card. Oh, great. Yeah, so I only have about $3,000 left. I started at about 42000 Good so, job. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it feels pretty good. I I sense the shackles falling off now wonderful so in that tsp as soon as you finish paying off that debt step it up more than just a percent or two because what you need starting later you do have to um, devote more of your paycheck to building money as a war chest for retirement than someone who started younger and so just keep on going till you get to the maximum eventually that you can contribute to the TSP each year and go into the life cycle fund that's appropriate okay, I, for your I'm age. I'm already in that one. That's, I'm actually already in that one. That's the right thing for you to do. So that's the most important thing. If in addition to that, if you have the energy and the time and you want to pursue doing real estate on the side, go for it. But they're, They work, I mean, it's different kinds of ways of creating more wealth over time or more income in the current time but the tsp is where i want your efforts really concentrated and congratulations to you for what you did raising all these kids homeschooling them and getting all that education for yourself you should be really proud of what you've done millard is with us on the clark howard show hi millard how are you Hey, Millard. (laughs) Hey, Clark. It's great to talk to you finally. Great to have you here. Um, Millard, I understand you're uh, aggravated with how I praise credit unions all the time. Is that accurate? 
Well, kind of. Um, I've heard you go on rants about the evil mega banks. No, the no and the giant monster mega banks. <laughs> exactly, and I couldn't agree more. I'm proud to say that I'm with a small locally owned bank with less than a dozen branches, and very very happy. They've been great to me. But here in my community, which is a metropolitan area of nearly a million people, we're dominated by a mega credit union, and it's very, very hard to get away from them. The smaller credit unions are farming off some of their services to the large credit union so that we get caught in the same loop of no customer service that the big banks have been offering for years. You are... Uh, you are bringing up a very valid point. Credit unions are going through kind of an awkward adolescence right now. And it's for a specific reason. The credit union industry is having to pivot because people who are in their 20s and 30s only want to do banking on their smartphones. And setting up really really sophisticated apps requires huge money and a lot of smaller credit unions don't have enough funds to super serve the uh, people in their 20s and 30s who were never going to bank like maybe I did growing up and so the credit unions are having to bulk up and as they become larger or as they go into these uh, cooperative efforts with other credit unions, they become more bureaucratic and not as personal as the experience people have been used to. Well, the problem that I had with the large credit union was that um, I left them because of problems servicing my mortgage. And I refinanced at a much better rate a couple of years ago to my local credit union only to find out that my local credit union was outsourcing all of the service for the um, mortgage loans to the mega credit union. <laughs> so when you talk about a mega credit union, there's only one ginormo credit union in the country. That's a, another Clark term. And that is Navy Federal. But even Navy Federal is like 125th the size of one of the giant mega giant monster mega banks. So I I support that you are letting your feet walk to where you are happy and where you're getting the best service and that's a great decision on your part and you know credit unions the way they're structured are going to be generally a better choice than a bank but credit unions are not a monolith they can be Good ones, bad ones, and in between, just like there are with banks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. 
Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mike is with us on the Clark Howard Show. And Mike, I understand that you are a proud member of Team Clark and that you're going to protect your fellow listeners from some form of scam. Is that right? Uh, yes, we have we have got phone calls at our home, and I've got them on my cell phone and everything else from these uh, places wanting to fix your computer. Oh. And, I mean, they, they call 8.30 in the morning, and it's like, Oh, we we want to we want to repair your computer, or this or that, and and every time you call them, and and I don't know what they want to do. My dad and I just hang up on them, or tell them we don't have a computer. But I got a phone call one time on my laptop, and this thing is just almost new out of the box. And it and he said, oh, he said you put the Microsoft Office on there, and he said there's something wrong with the server, and it can cause the thing to crash, and this, that, and the other. And of course, they want to charge money. Oh uh, no, it's much worse yeah. than them charging money. Let me tell you. Well, they want they want to charge money to fix this thing, you uh-huh. know. And uh, it's like, well, there's nothing wrong with it, and if I have any problems, I'll call Apple. You know, <laughs> it's just. But you get some of these. Older people are something, and they don't they'll fall for that stuff. Oh know? no, no, not just older people. The uh, oh, I this know, scam but has but been no, so popular, Mike. Oh, well, so popular. Uh, let me put it a different way. It's been uh, very successful at stealing people's money, but even worse, locking down their computers, and then you have to pay what's known as ransomware to get your own computer back working. Yeah. Well, that's what this one guy said on the internet. He said, "He said my computer's now a paperweight." You know, he said it's just ridiculous. So let me say something about this, just for your fellow listener. What they do is they actually convince you that they're going to fix the computer, and they ask you for certain information that allows them to seize control of your computer remotely. And that's when they predicted the future because then they make your computer a paperweight and put deadly viruses on it. Don't engage any of these people in conversation. Do just what you've been doing. Hang up the phone and avoid the crooks. This is the Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.